Stand and sing. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I'm going to need batteries for this because I planned on moving around a bit, as you will see. Um, one, of the, uh, one of the tough things about looking at verse, uh, scriptures in the Bible is they are just this small little section of a bigger story. And as we saw last year, as we walked through the whole story of Scripture, that as you zoom out more and more, it doesn't doesn't tell you that you had things wrong in the first place. It it tells you that, like, I I wasn't going deep enough yet. Um, I'm not going to try to put these batteries in while talking through the sermon, so we're going to do this real quick. Rob, how, how hard did you teach class? <laughs> Wore the batteries out of the microphone. That's impressive. I've never done that. So we have, a, we have this big story in Scripture that, that begins in Genesis 12. Now you say, well, Benjamin, I'm no mathematician, but I believe it begins in Genesis 1. It does, but... The Jewish people believed that, the, that Genesis 1 through 11 was a bit of a prologue. It was an introduction to the large story and the large story of the people of Israel, of God's con- conquest to get his people back. Starts in Genesis 12, and in Genesis 12, God makes seven promises to Abraham. Abram at the time. God changes his name. God comes to Abram and says, I'm going to change your name. And Abram says, cool, can I pick Steve or Philip? He goes, no, Abraham. He's just adding ham to the end of it. He says, yes. All right, that's fine. That's not exactly how it went, but I'm paraphrasing. You get what I'm saying. Abraham, uh, he makes promises to Abraham, and Abraham, he says, I'm eventually going to bless. You're going to be my people, and eventually through you, I'm going to bless all nations. That's the whole of Scripture. That's what God is going to do through, through his people, through his law, through his his prophets, through sometimes through his kings, and through his Messiah. That's what God is attempting to do. Through the people, his chosen people, he is going to bless all nations. Now here's the problem, is that all these nations are, are ragamuffins. They're horrible people. Um, some would even say horrible, like real bad, with a hard H. They're not... We, as, as the nations of the earth, can't be left to our own devices. And here's another problem. The people of Israel were the nations of the earth too. The people of Israel were human beings too. And they weren't great people all the time. And you can see in Scripture that they're, they're not great people. God tries, God, God rescues them from slavery and they complain about it. He brings them up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He brings them into a land of promise. And God says, I will be your God and you will be my people. And they, like like a sniveling little child, said, but can we have a king just like other nations? That's how they sounded. And he says, what about those people have kings? Can we have kings? And God says, if you have a king, he's going to enslave your daughters into his harem. He's going to take your sons for unpaid labor. If you have a king, it's not going to work out well for y'all. He essentially says, if you're going to have a king, you're going to, Israel will become Egypt. 
And they said, you know, okay. And then they wanted, they got a king. God said, give them what they want. But God sets up the law as a way to protect his people from themselves. Right? It's not, it's more of a quarantine of sorts. He puts them, it's like this. I told you I'm moved. Um, Y'all thought we had these chairs up here just in case the Pope came, but this is, it's for props. <laughs> for props and just in case the Pope comes. That is really funny to me, and I'm not going to get over it for a while. Some of you are like, this is, this is church. Pope comes. Yeah, that's why it's funny to me. If you're confused, that's why it's funny to me. Okay, so the people of Israel, the law, God's, they said, well, the world's pretty fantastic. And God said, no, no, here's the law. Here's kind of the, you stay in this. That's why there's so many ways about, so many laws about what you eat. And like, if, if mold shows up on your wall, what do you do about it? God can't have the people of Israel, who, the people through whom the whole world will be blessed, dying out from some fungus. Or because they decided to eat the wrong thing and they all got sick. God is constantly keeping them healthy and successful and prominent in the world. And occasionally, some, some, a bunch of them would wander out and just all, all of the world would break loose in the Israelite camp. And that happens so much. And God would say, get back in your quarantine. You get back to the law. You go back to your room. And you will be taken care of. God said, you violate my commands. You're going to suffer the same consequences as the world. And God didn't want the people of Israel following his law just because it was his law. God wanted the people of Israel following his law because he made a promise to Abraham that the whole world, all nations will be blessed through them. And if they can't stay in their place, What's the point of God making that promise if the people of Israel can't hold up until the time the Messiah comes? Well, they didn't do it well. They staggered across the finish line, and even as they were getting there, it was the own, their own leaders that took the Messiah, the one who actually came, the one who was coming to bless all nations. Whenever God says to Abraham, I will bless all nations through you, he's talking about Jesus. Whenever a king like David showed up, but the king like David is the one who is, is, is saving the world, that's Genesis 12, 3, come into life. And they made it. And even whenever the Messiah showed up and said, now is the time I will bless all the nations. And people who weren't Israelites were coming to Jesus. People, non-Jewish people were coming to Jesus. Jewish people were coming to Jesus. And they were uniting under this one king. They were now free from the law. See, it, when you explain it like that, it, it, it doesn't... It doesn't mean the law, the law was bad. It was necessary and good and holy. 
But now Jesus is the way. God, God kept his promise and he kept his people in check until he did. But now we don't follow law. We follow Jesus. All of that to tell you that in Galatians, in the provinces of Galatia, they had a bit of a problem. They, they had been converted to Christianity. They had acknowledged that Jesus is king. They'd been united in his death, burial, and resurrection. They had, they had come to Jesus. And some people from the south showed up and said, okay, yes, you've come to Jesus. But you also have to get circumcised. Um, that's not worth an explainer. You just have to have a surgery here. And if you, have a, if you, if you get circumcised, then, then you will be... Um, you will be true... Christians, and you think, well, okay, that's not, that's not, I mean, either you're a Christian or you're not, right? But we think about it sometimes in those levels, don't we? Where you got, yeah, they're a Christian, but you think about it in those levels sometimes, don't you? Good Christian, okay Christian. But if Jesus has saved you, he saved you all the way. Jesus, salvation is not a dimmer switch on the wall. Salvation is on or off. And whenever you come to Jesus, whenever Jesus is your king, you are saved. There is no additions, no qualifications, there's no fine print, there's no... Um, you know, you get those offers in the mail that say, that say hey, just, uh, you just have, what, we'll give you $35,000 to pay off your student debt. I'm like, well, these people are so nice. How kind of them. And there's like a little, there's always some symbol by it, and sometimes it's a cross, which weirds me out, and it's like, cross, 40,000% interest. <laughs> little tiny, tiny little letters. There's nothing like that in, in salvation. Jesus died on the cross and resurrected. Jesus wouldn't go through the sacrifice of the cross for there to be catches. For there to be loopholes and hurdles and red tape to salvation. And so whenever the, whenever the people uh, showed up in, in the Galatian churches and they said, well, there's uh, one more thing. But notice what they're saying. They're not saying there's a thing all of us need to do. They're saying, you guys, before you can be like Jesus, have got to be like me. And what Paul is particularly upset about is in Galatians is not that he thinks they're, uh, that those people are trying to earn their salvation. He's upset that they think there's a certain identity that makes you saved, and then there's a certain identity that doesn't. And Jesus is the identity that makes all of us saved. It's not something I can claim, I can lay claim to. 
And what, what was happening, and he, he, was, he, he keeps using these phrases about free or not free in Galatians. Galatians 5.1 is one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. Is for freedom's sake that we have been set free. If you think about the quarantine idea of the law, like these people who have been set free from Jesus, and then people showed up and said, but you've got to go back in there. Well, he says that's, thank you, that was a good point. I thought so. <laughs> He, he's saying, you, you guys don't, you're not having to go back in there. He's like, oh yeah, but we got to go, go back in. It'd be like if there was a, a big, ferocious dog outside of our house. Or a small, ferocious dog. Those sometimes are worse. Bite your ankles to death. And big, ferocious dog outside, and... and we got our kids inside, and we said, until that dog's outside, gone, you stay inside. And then the, the dog catcher comes. Um, I've never seen the dog catcher, just on cartoons, and he's always comically failing. Dog catcher comes, does a good job, takes the dog away. Dog catcher wins. House is free of dog. Or yard is free of voracious, ferocious dog. It's an excellent analogy, trust me. And our kids, and that, at that point, we say to our kids, the one who conquered the dog has come and conquered the dog. You may go now. You're free to go play. They said, no. We're going to stay in here where it's safe. And we said, no, 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 no. You can go outside. For all that is good and holy, go outside. They said, no, we want to stay. No, you go. Those who wanted to go back to the compound, go back to the quarantine, go back to the rule. Paul says, you're not trusting in Jesus enough. You're lifting up yourself. Because it's we who follow the laws, who get the rules correct, who have all the things set in order. We have them put in their proper place, and we can say that's, that's where it is, and that's where it is. We have, we have the right way of doing things. We feel good about ourselves. I've done all the right things, and I can boast about those things. And it's not because we... And we would never say, oh, it's my works that are saving me. What we would say, though, is who I am in Jesus saves me. But who Jesus is in you saves you. And so when Paul is talking about freedom in Galatians, he's talking about freedom in Christ. A freedom that keeps me from having to be the best, the most correct, the one who has all my ducks in a row. And he says that freedom is one that's important. And it's a freedom for you guys to do your job now. Because in the quarantine, you can't go into all the world and tell people about Jesus. You just can go into the, all the world and tell them about the place where you stay. And he says here in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, he says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, at this point, desires of the flesh, sometimes we say, oh, well, that's like when people do awful things out there. But that's, that's when we do 
self-serving things. That's all he's talking about here. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You're going to have to choose. Led by Spirit or under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Okay, he's going to list some things here, and at the end, uh, we won't read them out loud. The acts of the flesh are obvious, because we have, like, toddlers, and we don't want any of these words to be their first word. <laughs> Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. These are all the ones we can look at and say, oh, yes. Shame on them. Idolatry and witchcraft, yeah. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, okay, at this point, Paul is what we call meddling. And envy, drunkenness, yikes, and the like. I warn you, as I did before that, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, we, we're actually going through Galatians in our uh, Wednesday night class. And one of the things we noticed is that Paul put these very paganistic things at the beginning of the sentence and some very paganistic things at the end of the sentence. And then right in the middle, he has things like discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, uh, ambition dissension, factions, and envy. And it's really easiest for, for us to like section off the middle of the sentence and say that, oh, those people at the end of the sentence. But have you ever not wanted to, you never, you wanted to dislike somebody so much or you dislike somebody so much that you want the people around you to dislike them so you let them, know, you let the people around you know that you dislike them and that's why you dislike them and they should probably dislike them too. Like when left to our own devices, we are constantly trying to lift ourselves up and put other people down. And while you might not struggle with pagan practices, if you do, this scripture's for you too. But when we don't walk by the Spirit, we are constantly creating a structure where I am better and some are worse. That's why when we get to this passage, we focus on the bookends, don't we? Oh, the people who do the bad things. But Christians wrestle with this middle section, don't we? Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, fits of rage, jealousy, discord, hatred. When you live in that world, you're constantly looking around you and pushing those that are around you now. I want, I want you to be less than me. And those people who are more than me, well, they're just goody tissues. Tissues? <laughs> it's a brand of tissue. <laughs> we create a hierarchy, a structure that allows me to feel good no matter where I am. And the people to the right of me are the people to the right of me. The people to the left of me are the people to the left of me. And those people... Um, are, are awful because they are where they are and they're not where I am. Paul 
in Galatians is particularly arguing against this mentality. Creating a structure in which you are the winner and those around you, beneath you, and even if you perceive them to be above you, are the losers. And that is not the way of the kingdom of God. Because the way of the kingdom of God thrives on unity. The way of the kingdom of God thrives on us even though we disagree, even though we are from different backgrounds, even though we, are, we, we might see things even in Scripture differently. That we love each other and find unity in the way of the Spirit brings freedom. Can you imagine, and I'm sure you can, how exhausting it is to make sure that everyone around you isn't as good as you. Notice, that's not trying to be better. It's just trying to make them worse. It's exhausting. It's being kept in a place that you don't, you don't have to be, that Jesus has freed us from. Jesus collapsed the hierarchy. He said the first shall be last and the last shall be first. He said the blind will see and those who think they can see are blind. He said that the ones on top are going to fall and the ones on, on the bottom are going to be lifted up. And sometimes that doesn't feel good. Because equality to the oppressor feels like oppression. And that doesn't feel good if we're the ones winning. And trust me, in your brain, a lot of times you're the one winning because the people around you are not quite as intelligent and not quite as thoughtful and they don't understand things. And they Let's create the hierarchy that Jesus came to destroy. And you can't have church on a ladder. It has to be around a table. It has to be equal. It has to be unified. And the Spirit brings <laughs> unity. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit, what the Spirit produces. Now notice, we, all, we know this verse. We know love, joy, peace, patience or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We know that. It's been on our bulletin boards. It's been in our songs. It's been, we, Nolan, Nolan sings that song all the time. Love, joy, peace, patience, okay, he gets some of it wrong. But he knows the song and he knows what he's trying to do. He's saying the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit, fruit of the Spirit produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We know that. But what we don't know is why. What is the Spirit trying to accomplish when it produces in us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? If you went to a job interview, say you wanted to uh, get hired at Loveless Refrigeration. Loveless Refrigeration, um, let's say they fired Lynette, and you want, you want, they're going to hire you for Lynette's job. Okay, so you go in, and Scott says, all right. First question. What's your favorite color of balloon? And we use that. I don't know why this applies, but um, 
you know, I guess red. All right. When you see a duck, how do you feel? I guess in here it'd be confused. It depends on where I am. So you, this goes on. He's asking you these questions that doesn't apply. How high can you throw a ladder? That one actually might come in handy. You say, well, I don't know. I don't, I don't get... When you go to a job interview, they ask you questions about whether or not you can perform the tasks of the vocation. And we are called to go into the world as representatives of Jesus, not just individually. Christianity is not a state of being. It's a way of life. It's not some way that you exist. It's what you do. And so when we go into the world as a group, we can't go into the world fussing and fighting. We can't go into the world not getting along or thinking, well, some people at church just aren't as good as some people, other people at church. And I, by other people, I mean me. You leave church and say, you know what, they really need to do this. Start. Church must be unified or it's just not church. And the Spirit in all of us produces in the community. He's, see, here he's writing a whole group of people about what the Spirit produces in them, not in that one, and 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 that one. The fruit of the Spirit describes less me and more us. So if we are to participate in the fruit of the Spirit, it's going to eventually combat jealousy, fits of rage, envy. It's going to combat the works of the flesh. And it's going to unite us in love, joy, Peace. Notice how if we had these things, we wouldn't fight. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no... That sort of thing can't be quarantined, you know? You can't, you can't put that in a box and keep it there. It's going to permeate throughout the whole congregation. There is... There is no law against it. He goes on to say, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is not a list that can be checked off with oneself. The fruit of the Spirit are, are post-markings in a unified community. They're the things that show up in a unified community. Self-control. I really shouldn't say this, but that sentence should end with a so. I really shouldn't say this, so I'm not gonna. And I can't even believe I brought it up. 
I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let anxieties ruin our unity. And it's all gonna be ruled by love. We're gonna make decisions out of love. Yeah. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. This isn't just like an add-on, like, oh, well, this is a nice verse. And also, Galatians 5, 22 and 23 is a nice verse. These are all connected. If we live by the fruit of the Spirit, we're not going to become conceited, and we're not going to provoke each other. We're not going to envy each other. The Spirit will produce something fantastic in you, and the Spirit will change you, but the Spirit is only going to change you within the context of the community that the Spirit is changing. That's just how the Spirit works. The Spirit works as a team. And so whenever, whenever the Bible talks about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, it's talking about church. And yes, it's going to affect you, but it's going to affect you so that you can do your job and be the kingdom of God on earth. To let all heaven break loose in this world. And we have to do that together. In other news, we're getting rid of the chairs after this service. In those situations... You need a, only a couple of brains and a lot of backs. If we had a bunch of people saying, um, no, the chairs need to go back in the foyer. No, let's put them back there in the classrooms. No, the chairs need to, And we had a bunch of people just pointing, it would never get done. We just have one person going back there. Just walk back there and keep following the people who, are, who have directed before you. The Spirit does that for us as a church. The Spirit is our collective brain. And we are the backs of the kingdom of God. One thing producing in us as a community what we need. So if you feel yourself this week feeling more superior than other people, like your identity is pretty fantastic, you need the Spirit and you need community. Because that's the only thing, the love of the Spirit, the peace of the Spirit, the self-control of the Spirit, the joy, the goodness, the faithfulness. All of those things are what's going to keep, that's what binds us together. So we praise God for the Father this morning for loving us. We praise God for the Son, for sacrificing Himself, and we praise God for the Spirit. Because without the Spirit, we couldn't be community. We couldn't be unified. And we couldn't represent Jesus. So this morning, if you need prayers, and if you, or you want to be entered into uh, uh, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection through baptism, you want to give your life to Jesus as King, yes, come forward. But... If you need prayer that the Spirit of God rule you and those around you, you rule you and your life group, or rule you and your 
your family, that God's Spirit promote healthy community wherever you go. Please come forward. We want to pray with you. We want the Spirit to be involved in our life as a church. Please come forward while we stand and sing.